everybody. This is Dr. Diana Wiley. I am your host of Love, Lust, and Laughter. And you know what? It's Halloween. I guess you knew that. Halloween. Ooh, the scariest holiday goblin is this, at least for us, my, my guest and myself, sex ed, sex education is pornography for so many young men. We're going to focus on young men, but also young women will come into the discussions. My guest is sex educator extraordinaire and author, Dr. Paul Jonadies, and his book is in its 10th edition, Guide to Getting It On. Uh, Dr. Paul is seriously concerned with this problem of porn education, and he's going to help us sort it out. Welcome back to my show, Dr. Paul. Hi, Diana. Thanks so much for having me. And I, I think from the start, I'd, I'd like to clarify, I don't think the yeah. problem is porn. If you like to jerk off to porn, no problem. Yeah, the, okay. The, the problem is, is that we have no competent sex education for young men and some for young women, but not that much. And uh, so, you know, I'm thinking probably the average 11-year-old starts watching porn, maybe a little older, but I know, heck, if I were in middle school, I'd be watching a lot of porn. Um, and so we don't have any kind of education to help young men understand that what you're seeing in porn is very different from what happens in real life, in real relationships. Um, when you're out driving with your mom, hopefully that's a lesson in the world that what you saw in the Fast and Furious is not real. It's entertainment. Good analogy. Yes. Hopefully, unless, I don't know, I've kind of heard some things about how Diana drives, so. Um, <laughs> um, anyway, but... There is, there is no analogy in terms of the, a reality check for young kids uh, about the difference between porn and sex in real life. Assuming that you know you're not in a family where mom and dad are having sex in front of everyone, um, so that's part of our problem. We have no porn education. We have plenty of porn shaming. There, there's no shortage of people who try to shame young men and young women from watching and enjoying porn. But that's not the point. The point is is just to understand some of the real some of the real differences, especially, um, my gosh, in porn, w women's bodies are pretty much presented as being the same as men's bodies only with a vagina um, and breast. Whereas in real life, it's quite a bit different. Um, if a guy were to handle a woman's genitals like he does his own, I don't think she would be very happy. Mm -hmm. Yes. And porn is pretty much about a massively huge penis going wherever the penis wants to go. Good luck in real life if you try to play that game with a woman. With a woman. So... You know, there's, there's just, uh, it's just such a strange world now 
it's almost as if there's a denial of any kind of reality. I mean, we're at a point now where even in California, in some cities, there was just an article in the LA Times today in Huntington Beach, which you'd think would be a liberal city, where uh, references at the library to sex for any books and for teenagers are not allowed. Not allowed at all. Yeah, they're pulling them. So, and Huntington so, Beach, just oh, my goodness, it you you it did seem like a li more liberal place when I was last there, but not so, I guess. And if you bother to walk down the beach and you're a teenage boy and you don't have a heart on, I, I don't know. Uh, uh, so we, we can't even talk about the reality of kids' lives and young men's lives um, and explain to them what's going on. So we're leaving them to their imagination and to what they're seeing, which uh, I guess would be like saying, hey, you know, video gaming is real. It isn't, even though guys spend hours and hours and hours a day video gaming. Yeah. So, so one of the ways that you hope to reach these young people, these young men in particular, who do so much video gaming, is to uh, reach them through some kind of video series. But I think I'm jumping ahead. Let's sure. let's. Let's uh, talk a, a little bit more about the problem. Um, yeah, there's a it's it's a big these there's so many distortions. You you point you point this out too. In you have a Psychology Today blog, which I will put in my show notes because it's you have some wonderful uh, wonderful articles there. And it go, going back to 2010, have you been on the Psychology Today since 2010? Yeah, something. Yeah. It's been a while. Yeah. So that's uh, 13 years and um, lucky years because you have so many great articles. So you talk about the sensory distortion in porn. Uh, the focus is almost always on breasts or genitals. You talk about size distortion. You talk about oral sex distortion. Can you add on to this a little bit as we talk about how porn Yes, and you made a good distinction, by the way. You have nothing against porn per se. It's it's a very good way for for a guy, and some women do it too, of course, to jerk off. It's it's quick and it's easy. But can you t can you t expand a little bit on the sensory distortion problems and the size and all that? Well, like when you talk about oral sex distortion, remember in porn. Uh, all sex acts are first and foremost for the camera. So if a guy is giving a woman oral sex in porn, uh, there's a big difference between the way you do it in real life and the way you do it in porn, because in real life, you would block the woman's genitals with your head. And that's not really uh, allowed in porn. So in porn, a lot of times, <clears throat> oral sex is referred to as fence painting because the guy sticks out his tongue like it's a paintbrush and he's painting a fence. Mm -hmm. um, that way it doesn't block the camera so much from seeing a woman's genitals. Mm -hmm. uh, but, you know, most women don't find that to be particularly 
fun for oral sex. In fact, uh, when I was writing the 10th edition, I had sex surveys from a number of women, and uh, it was almost universal that the women said way more guys think they're good at giving us oral sex than is the reality. Um, you know, one woman summed it up and said, yeah, I think about one in five guys is really particularly good at giving women oral sex. I, I, I didn't re I, I think that's very interesting and I'm not surprised. Um, I, in general, because I have been in practice for 40 years and uh, after in my 20s I was single. I was single after uh, a divorce. I was single after my last husband died. So I've had times to be single. So I have clinical and personal. And I think, and I happen to love, personally love cunnilingus, and my husband loves it too, so aren't we fortunate? But, but I think men who really love oral sex, and this is going a little bit out of the topic, but not, not exactly, are, are quite evolved. They really are wanting the woman's pleasure, and they really like to get in there and the sensuality of it and the tissue, and they know that the clitoris has about six to 8,000 nerve fibers compared to the penis, which has about 4,000. And the only purpose of the clitoris is for pleasure. But a lot of guys don't know that. They're not clit, clitor, clitorate, clit literate, <laughs> clit literate. Mm -hmm. Do you agree? Well, I think it goes beyond that, though, because okay. the way you're presenting it is that there's you know, one clitoris, and uh, each woman is different. Each oh, well, woman's clitoris yeah. is different. The nerve bundles, the locations of the nerve bundles are different. Mm -hmm. um, as as uh, one woman uh, on my sex survey said, it wasn't until I started having sex with women that, ah. I, began, that I began to understand how different any two women's bodies are and what a steep learning curve this must be for men. <clears throat> and so with each woman, a guy has to not assume that, well, my last girlfriend liked it this way, so my next girlfriend's going to like it this way. It could be very different. So yes. we need to train men to ask and to really explore. And we need to train women to tell men and a lot of times we've got a situation where a lot of women don't know their bodies well enough to be able to tell a man what to do so in those situations a couple has to be willing to explore together yes and in porn there is no exploration there is no discussion there is yes, no consent there's no, <laughs> there's consent. no consent and also in porn there's no foreplay and so therefore <laughs> There is a little trust, desire, respect, or concern. It's and you wrote about this in redefining sex education. In your yeah, the real problem is mm -hmm. even if even if you know exactly what a woman wants in terms of oral sex, if you just dive between her legs and start doing it before she's highly aroused, you're going to get a very different response than if you slowly work your way down and if you wait until she's aroused. 
Um, and I think another thing we don't teach men is that no matter what you're doing between a woman's legs or anywhere else in her body, it's her brain that decides whether it feels good or not. It's her brain that processes the incoming nerve stimulation and decides, is it too much? Is it too little? Is it just right? Um, and there's also what I call an orgasm algorithm oh. where, where a, a woman's orgasm algorithm, I think, is much more complex than a man's for a lot of different reasons. Um, with a woman's orgasm algorithm, <clears throat> her expectations, her past experience, what if she was sexually abused or raped? That's yeah. going to feed into what's going on today in the here and now. Um, what was her upbringing about sex like? Uh, what was her experience with her last two or three boyfriends? All of these things <clears throat> go into the here and now. Um, what are the smells like right now? What, you know, what do the sheets smell like? What are the sounds? Is she worried that your roommates are going to walk in? Does she feel safe? How secure does she feel with you? There are so many different elements that go into to it besides just the technical part of knowing what she may or may not like in terms of intercourse positions or whatever. Yes, my understanding, you talked about the brain, the, her brain decides what feels good. Uh, I, I, as I understand it, the amygdala, the fear center of the brain, can get overwired if she has a history of, of abuse or sexual uh, rape or whatever, but a lot of, uh, so her brain can get, her amygdala can get overwired with um, with too much anxiety and and so she's much, the, so her amygdala has to take a nap for her to reach orgasm actually, um, because she needs to feel safe. She can't have her amygdala the kind of watchdog <laughs> of of her brain, right? And for her to to reach orgasm, she has to really feel safe in all these other things that you talk about, the smells, the sounds. Uh, does she feel secure with her partner? So it's very complex. I suppose this is why they haven't found uh, a drug similar to what has been helpful for men, the Viagra, because it's a woman's brain that's so involved and so complex. Yeah. And uh, also, with all those other factors you're talking about, she also has to feel excited. Mm -hmm. And so <laughs> it, there are a lot of different factors that go into yeah. it. And sometimes, um, you know, the conversation the couple had a day ago or this morning before they left for work can have a big impact also in terms of what happens when they're having sex six hours, 12 hours later. Yes, of course. That's so, why they say, yeah, they sometimes talk about foreplay needs to start 24 hours before they actually make love. Yeah, I think that's a, I think that's a very good way to look at it. Yeah. And so, yeah. so there are all these complex issues, which I guess we shouldn't look at them as complex. I think we should look at them as fun and fascinating. But none of them show up in today's primary sex education, which is porn. Mm -hmm. So, uh, in fact, I think they 
analyzed a number of mainstream porn uh, videos and discovered that the amount of aggression is present in almost something like 80% of them. Really? So th- th- wow. there's a lot of aggression there, uh, which not all women are going to want in real life. That's right. So, you know, that's, there's so much for us to be dealing with, and yet we've come to a world now where a teacher can be fired for even saying the word orgasm. Or, oh, heaven help. Can, can you imagine what would happen if a high school teacher ever talked about women's masturbation? Uh, she probably would get fired for that, too. Didn't you write a blog uh, in, in Psychology Today a few years ago, uh, women's masturbation, it's nasty, which is what you found out when, when you did one of your talks to one of the universities. And... Um, well, yeah, and this, this, this woman said, I've had a lot of friends who had sex multiple times with multiple partners and had never had an orgasm. When I asked them if they ever masturbated, they would gasp like it was the nastiest thing ever. Then I would say, well, there's your problem. How is someone else supposed to get you off when the best person for the job has no idea? Yeah, it's a, it's a challenge. Um, I was uh, speaking at a college in North Carolina, and uh, right before I got an email from a woman at the student newspaper, and she said, one of her questions was, do you think it's nasty for women to masturbate? And I suddenly thought, I, I looked at that question, and I thought, geez, did I just, you know, have a, 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 a time warp break? Is this 1950? And I just didn't know. Uh, so I... I Got back to her. I said, "Where where would you get this idea that it might be nasty for a woman to masturbate?" And she said, "A lot of young women today think it's nasty for women to masturbate." And I, I thought, "Okay, it must be just this part of North Carolina." So I checked with uh, a couple of different instructors in different parts of the country. One of them in in uh, Santa Barbara, which would be a very liberal part of the country, and. Sure. They all said, yep, that's what we're hearing. It's not just North Carolina. So we've got this this, uh, weirdness going on. Uh, Think of how many women are afraid to use tampons that don't have applicators, you know, the type of tampon that you push in with your finger. Because they think it's gross to stick their finger in their own vagina. Now, they'll let some drunk guy that they just met online stick his dick in their vagina, his fingers and everything else, but they're afraid to stick their own fingers in. So we're doing some weird things, and it just keeps getting stranger rather than better, I think. Uh, absolutely, and it's it's rather demoralizing and depressing, especially for somebody like you who's been a sex educator for how many years now, Paul? Oh, only three or four. <laughs> Let's see. Your your guide to getting it on was first published in what year? And now it's in its 10th edition. But what year did you first publish? 1995. Yeah, 1995. So you've been around the block a few times. Well, all, all it means is I've failed as a sex educator. I need to do a better job. I don't think you've failed. You've done... you. Your book has reached many, many, many people. And it's 
funny. It's It's got cartoons in it that are very well done. You've worked with the same artist for a long time, I think. Um, yes, Derek, Derek Gross. I was very fortunate to, to land Derek. He used to do the X-Men for uh, Marvel many years ago. Oh, that's why they have a comic book kind of look. They're yeah. realistic, but um, yeah, and even some of those are funny. And then you've got your cat in there. Who's the cat? <laughs> he, he's he got a cat. and Invariably, he would have a cat in, in the illustrations, and we, we loved the cat. So yeah. I said, keep the darn cat. Yeah, keep the cat. <laughs> and especially since uh, at times you're going to be talking about pussies, right? <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> well, but anyway. Uh, for, yeah. for Derek, it was, it was interesting. It was a challenge at the start because comic book art, um, like, you know, with Marvel, that type of art, it's um, there isn't much chemistry between the individual characters. The characters are all saying, hey, look at me, look at me, look how hot I look, look at my abs, look at, you know, where, so at the start, it was really a bit of a challenge for him to show two characters with chemistry between them. And like he said, all I've got to work with is a black pen on white paper. Yeah. Can you, can you imagine trying to show some of the different emotions that are involved with sexual arousal and sexual intimacy with just a black line on a white paper. So it's, uh, you know, over the years, fortunately, the uh, ebook version, now he did, he colorized all of the illustrations and it's, fa oh. it's fascinating. Um, you know, the Kindle version and the iBooks version, all the illustrations are colorized that he did. Yeah. But, uh, well, yeah, you know. he's a brilliant artist, and he does capture the chemistry uh, between mm -hmm. people. And uh, it's it's quite remarkable. I think you've been a great team, the two of you, you and Derek, for for all these yeah. years now. Yeah. Derek was just amazing, and I'm just so lucky. I, I can't begin to say how lucky, because... The book really, it isn't meant to be read from cover to cover. Oh, exactly. But, and a good thing, because how many pages is it? <laughs> oh, God, too many. But yeah. but the uh, the purpose of it is just to be able to thumb through it and see something that catches your eye and then talk to a partner about it. It's, exactly. Its purpose is to start conversations. Yes. And, and those conversations are so necessary because so many couples don't talk to each other. They don't communicate. And, and that's the problem with female masturbation, too. We don't, you know, one of the, one of, I see a lot of couples in my practice. And one of the things that I will suggest to certain couples is mutual masturbation. You have you each person masturbates and they watch the other. And not only is it arousing, but by God, you get to see how your partner pleasures himself or herself. And it can be educational and it can be very much a turn on as well. So it's a it's a win win. What, what kind of resistance do you get to those suggestions? Oh, masturbation is oh, I couldn't do that in front. 
it's such a private activity and I or or maybe it's one of those women uh, who hasn't done much masturbating. I mean, it is, and she's shy. But it, the pushback usually is, I can't do it in front of somebody else. I, 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 when my daughter was in high school, and this is about the same about the same time you started the first edition of your book, 1995. 19, anyway, <laughs> uh, I, I was um, <clears throat> written up in, <clears throat> in their high school paper as uh, Kate Wiley had, um, her mother was a sex therapist. And um, so I ended up doing a little sex education for some of the high school friends of my daughter. And when I would always suggest, do mutual masturbation. It's so much safer. You won't get pregnant. You won't get a s sexually transmitted disease. And it's fun and you can have an orgasm. I, I, I Some of them listened. And I got some good feedback, and others said, oh, no, couldn't do that. So that's the kind of feedback I've gotten. Well, there's, you know, when we talked about that orgasm algorithm for women, mm -hmm. um, men don't really think about the fact that any time they have intercourse, they can get pregnant. A woman, that's always in the back of her mind. Yeah. And that's another factor there. That, that's right. Uh, uh, that's a big one. So yes, uh, you know, <laughs> anytime you give a guy a hand job, uh, that's uh, also a less chance that a woman's going to get pregnant if she's not using effective birth control. And unfortunately, condoms are not particularly effective birth control. They're well, great. Right. They're, they're excellent for sexual transmitted disease prevention. Yeah, but yeah. they're not particularly good for birth control, mm -hmm. especially in this day and age when we've got red states where women are going to jail if they have to, if they, you know, get an abortion. Oh, well, let's, for this show, let's not get off into that, but that is so tragic. That is so tragic. Um, so with the, with the master, mutual masturbation, it's good. Um and you um, you talk about women who are aroused, and when she's aroused, the vagina doubles in length. And a lot of people don't know that. Um, the vagina is very accommodating uh, if she's aroused, but it does take, for most women, 15 to 20 minutes to be fully aroused. So we've got to get back to foreplay, don't we? Yeah. Um, and uh, again, uh, guys don't think of a vagina in the way they think of their penis, but there's a disconnect there because a penis can get pretty hard pretty quick. Um, you know, depending on the guy's age, sometimes if the wind merely blows. <laughs> but for a woman, arousal needs to, again, take care of, it, it needs to cover lots of different bases, uh, socially mm -hmm. and, uh, uh, you know, th those different issues. And it needs to be something that some effort has been put into, unless a woman's masturbating, and then she's got her own fantasies to draw on. She doesn't have to worry about those other issues. But if she's with a partner, um, arousal can sometimes take some work. Um, and so 
during arousal, uh, her vagina would go from being not as long as an average erect penis, but when she becomes highly aroused, it's long enough to accommodate most penises and the back of it tents open, yes. which is which is called vaginal tenting. And so, and so a lot of different things happen inside. Um, and uh, so... And the, what else happens that's so important is the uterus lifts up and away from the top of the cervix when she's really aroused. And if that hasn't happened, then the man's penis can hit her cervix and then the uterus, and it hurts her. And a well, lot of women have pain with, with intercourse. Yeah, and that could be one of the reasons. But yeah, a lot a lot of women have pain with intercourse. But uh, yeah, when a woman is highly aroused, if she's if the couple is using a missionary position, they've discovered that the penis misses the cervix by about an inch. The only time the penis will massage a woman's cervix for most women, if they don't have a tipped uterus, is in rear entry positions, or if she's sitting on top of him, facing him, then she can direct the head of her penis, or the head of his penis, to massage her cervix. And uh, another thing, another area that sex education has been really missed the boat is regarding the cervix. Um, and part of the reason for that was that Kinsey, even though his data told him differently, stated that the cervix is not involved in sexual arousal. It has no place in sexual arousal. Even though we now know that the cervix, and they knew then that the cervix is sexually reactive. Uh, some women are able to masturbate just by massaging the cervix or using a dildo to um, run a circle around the cervix. So the cervix can play a big role for some women. It can play a role in pain or it can play a role in pleasure. But again, this, there need to be conversations about this. Also, the cervix is a good point of how a woman's sexual anatomy changes over her monthly cycle. Um, during one part, during the first part, right after she has her period, uh, her cervix is going to be up higher, and then toward the middle it comes down a little lower. And uh, these are part of the reasons why guys need to learn that just because something that felt good three days after she had her period might not feel good two weeks after she had her period. And so we're trying to teach young men to be more sensitive to the fact that women's bodies change over the entire course of a monthly cycle. And, and not just, not yeah. just, oh, is she having her period or not? That's the usual conversation. There's two modes that women are in. They're either having their period or they're not. Well, there's lots of different modes. Men need to be educated about this and so much more. And uh, shall we go back to the young men? Because you you have some real concerns because there's been suicides involved in these um, 
sextortion. Uh, yeah. And well, it was written about in the Washington Post. Can you talk about that and these these young young men being blackmailed? It's yeah. That awesome. that's a that's a change in subject. Just just yes. to know. Okay. Yeah. Very um, much change in subject. Yes. Okay. What what's happening now is uh, AI is getting so incredibly good that um, some people are creating creating AI. Uh, connections with young men and they're able to do it so well that the woman knows things about the young man as if he thinks she really knows me she knows who I am she's met me and eventually she'll say I'd love to send you nudes if you'll send me a dick pic Mm. but I want to be sure that your face is in the dick pic Mm. don't hide your face so the guy stupidly sends the, the dick pic with his face in it, and boom, next thing he knows, he's being hit up for X amount of money, or the picture of his face and dick pic is going to be sent to his friends, his teachers, every his parents, his family, everyone. And I'm really concerned that this is the sort of thing that a guy could be so embarrassed, and if he's kind of on the edge to begin with, it could lead to a possible suicide. And there have been some examples of that already, tragically. Yeah, I just don't think it's, and I think it's going to get worse and worse. Now, another thing we have for women is deep fake porn. Uh, That's tragic, but AI is so good. They can put any woman's face in any video doing anything. Wow, I didn't know that. It's called deep fake porn porn and it's a very real issue and it's just going to get worse much 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 worse um there's also revenge porn but uh where someone will you know if they actually did videos of a former partner and she decides to leave the dude there are revenge porn sites where he'll post videos of them having sex without her permission and we're getting state laws now where that's now, I think, a misdemeanor or a felony. I hope a felony. It should be a felony. Yes, yes. But um, now anyone could, <clears throat> you know, we could take your face and put it into a video of a woman who's, you know, having sex with a donkey, and it would look real. Oh, I was not aware of this. So it's deep fake porn, and the revenge porn is a subset of that. Uh, deep fake oh. is different from revenge porn. Oh, it is. They're kind of merging. They're merging. Uh, okay. Deep fake is not the real woman. It's her face has been placed into another scene, maybe a sex scene or porn yeah. of some sort. Oh, yes. Where revenge porn was really her. Mm-hmm. but it's being put there by a former partner without her permission. I got it, yeah. And you say it's only going to get worse because the technology and the AI is, keeps keeps on developing, and, and of course, money is a huge motivator, and there's uh, the, the porn industry is billions and billions. Um, so- well, it's not the porn industry that's doing the deep fake stuff. Oh, it isn't. You're really educating me. 
Paul, thank you. And yeah, no, the, too, the, I did not know are, that. These are, you know, people who uh, they don't make porn per se. They take porn and they put someone else's face in the porn to make it look like that. It's a fake porn. Yeah. And uh, so that's uh, that's really interesting. But he heaven only knows what the AI world is going to bring us. Uh, we're, we're just at the start of that uh, glacier. But how do you how do you hope to make at least a chip in the glacier, uh, and in general, how do you hope to reach these young men so that they do have really good sex education instead of all of this fake education or and the porn education? So, what's well, to be done? It's again, it's a challenge, and I haven't figured it out yet. I had. Uh... Let's see, I had a YouTube channel where I had a video um, on the clitoris that had over, in its different versions, I think about four to five million views. I had a video for women called A Woman's Guide to Men's Foreskins because, you know, we now have a lot of young men who are intact. And yes. women have no clue what to do with their force with these their partners' foreskins. Yeah, that video had over three million views. Yes, and boom. One day, YouTube just takes my channel down. And because, why was that? Because it was about sex, and um, even though I had all the marked mature and all of that. Um, and I've, I've heard from other sex educators whose channels were taken down by YouTube. Um, and when you look at some of the things that are on YouTube, it's pretty scary of what they decide to leave up, quite frankly, um, as opposed to what they take down. But so YouTube, which should be a great vehicle for doing competent sex education, isn't a great vehicle for doing confident sex education because you work your butt off and it gets taken down. Plus, YouTube gives you no ad revenues if it's a subject, if the sex is the subject. <clears throat> really? So there's, there's absolutely no money uh, currently in making competent sex education videos. Um, you spend a lot of money making them, but you get no money back, and no foundation is going to give you money for doing sex education videos that young men will actually listen to. Um, and you, you've got to remember, today's young men have been conditioned by the video gaming industry. The video gaming industry has hired whole teams of neurologists, psychoneurologists, to figure out how to get, how to pry into men's brains and get them so they keep watching and watching and wanting to spend more and more money and more and more time. So, uh, you know, young men are being conditioned that information needs to be exciting to watch. And it's, it kind of fits in with the biology of, of a young man um, 
he's overridden with testosterone. Um, yes, in the theme in the male brain by Luanne Brizantine, published in, in about 2006, she does a, a very good comparison. She says, if testosterone were beer, when a boy is nine years old, it's about two cups. By the time he's 13, it's about two gallons. So he's just overridden with testosterone and everything has to be edgy and spectacular and and make an impact on his on his brain, right? So I guess that's what's happening in the video gaming industry too. They they've got the formula down. Uh, yeah. That's why they're you know multi-billion dollar companies. And I also worry I, th I I'm by no means the only one. There's a lot of uh, a lot of people who are worried today. <clears throat> We've got so many young men who are just sitting at home playing video games when they should be out building a career or getting a getting an education. And I don't care whether it's an education as a plumber right. or an electrician or whether you know you're going to a traditional college. Uh, from the time a young man is 18 to 24, 25, he needs to be educating himself. To have a career, to be able to do, you know, program for excellence so he can make money. Uh, and instead, what a lot of guys are doing with the hours that they should be doing that, they're spending that time at home playing video games. And that's a real concern because how many women are really going to want to have a relationship with a guy who's got no money to spend on them but is instead uh playing video games for eight hours a day plus a lot of a lot of these a lot of these video game discords and chats that are so male oriented they are so vile in terms of women um i just don't know where all these this hatred among young men is coming for women uh, women are doing better and better. They're bettering themselves. And instead of saying, hey, uh, you know, we're young men, we should be bettering ourselves too, a lot of young men are just angry at women. Uh, they're angry because women don't want to have sex with them. Uh, a woman who's in college, getting a college degree, does she really want to have sex with some guy who's barely got a high school diploma? Not really. So we've got lots and lots of lonely young men. And uh, we need to find a way to connect with those young men. And it's, uh, I think a lot of us men who are older are failing at our jobs to try to reach out to those young men and to lift them up and to try to help them to become better men. And you are making every effort to do this. Uh, and kudos to you, Paul. Uh, this is a huge undertaking. And it's, and there's no, and as you said, it's so complicated because there's, there's no money for competent sex education. And to make a video that's as compelling as the video games are, um, boy, it's, and then you have all these men that are 
they call them celibate, but they're they don't want to be celibate. What's the what's the uh, term for that? In, incel. Incel. They don't want to be celibate, but they're celibate, and they're and then they're extra angry at women because they blame women, but they're the problem. They haven't been really doing the personal growth, and uh, and the education part of it. Because you're so right, women who are in college and trying to get educated. They, they want somebody who's going to match them intellectually and have, can have conversation with them and also can at least uh, have some disposable income to spend on them or live, right? So, oh boy, it's... Um, we're, yeah, we're, we're also having the additional problem. Uh, it's hard for straight guys anyway to develop language in speaking to women especially emotions and speaking to women about emotions and relationships and what we've got now is guys who kind of grow up behind their phone so they're not really having as many in-person conversations where they learn how to read body language and they learn signals and they learn how to how to communicate better? Uh, some college instructors I've talked to recently said they're just shocked at how challenged a lot of young guys are just in relationships to even communicate well. And um, you know, so phones are not making life any better for us. But I don't want to sound like some old geezer who's complaining about technology. Well, but, no, but I think yeah. we need to be aware of how it's it's not particularly helping young men <clears throat> so 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 what are, can you talk about the video series that that you're at least trying to get off the ground uh well i'm i'm doing my best with it but for yeah. every five minute video it takes me more than 100 hours of work Wow! Um, because I need to do all the graphics and all the, uh, the, you know, no one wants to see a talking head of an old man. So yeah. I need to have videos that that really capture the guy's eye, and uh, it requires a lot of special effects and things I'm having to learn. But you know, it, at least it's keeping me from turning into a terribly old geezer i don't have time for that well you have you continue to have real purpose in your life paul and that's that's uh, uh, essential for successful aging now i'm really departing from the topic but <laughs> but but it's really true between your book which has informed thousands and thousands and thousands of people over the years guide to getting it on now in its 10th edition, 10 editions, that's so impressive. And it's such a fun read and it's so informative. So between that and now your efforts to reach these young men through video, but you've got to do the work and it's so time intensive and you've had to do the research. You can't, you, well, uh, you've obviously you feel passionate about this topic and, and, <laughs> You're going to have, you're going to have a huge legacy, Paul. 
a really important <laughs> kind of you. That's kind of you. You know, it's it's fascinating. People say, "Well, why would you need ten editions of a book on sex?" Well, <laughs> yeah. when I did the when I did the first edition, there were no phones like we have today. Yeah. Uh, the internet, there wasn't much of an internet. There was very little porn videos. You you didn't have the technology. You know, you had dial up. You, yeah, you don't dial-up. have videos on dial up. Uh, so the world is a very different world, just in the way that couples communicate, in the way that uh, you know there there was just no there was no online dating. There was uh, just everything has changed in so many ways in the ways that people relate and communicate with each other. So a book on sex is just as much about culture as it is about the latest research. It's true. It's true. And so you're documenting what's going on in in the uh, sexuality culture. And um, yeah, you've seen lots of changes. I I have too. I, I can remember thinking how, as I see my daughter, dealing her boys are 11 and 13 now and she limits their screen time but it is a huge ordeal i was visiting them and it's just she has lots of ways to limit their screen time but somehow they they figure out how to get sneak some more time in they're going to get around it and i would be particularly concerned if i had a daughter um we just know that instagram is oh it's just it's hideous. It's wicked. I, I really think, um, I mean, what happens is you've got these girls taking 30 images to try to get the perfect one. That, and then even then she edits the crap out of it. You've got new phones that can make you look way better than you look in real life. I know. And so they're all comparing and they don't, they don't put in their mind, hey, she probably spent an hour getting that picture that looks so casual that isn't casual in real life. It isn't real in real life. But they end up comparing themselves to that and just say, oh, God, my life sucks compared to hers. And my body sucks compared to hers. And then you have uh, Instagram has taken the mean girl thing to a new level. You've got girls excluding other girls in their group chats. You've got, it's just so mean, and it's really eroding mental health among young women. Yes. So we've got that other issue as well. And if I were a parent, man, I would be so concerned. I would really be talking to my daughter constantly and reminding her that that is a fake world. (laughs) That what you see on Instagram is pretty much a fake world. And, uh, oh, yes, so- you know, I, I've been aware of, of, uh, well, I, I started uh, my practice 40 years ago, as I said, and right from the beginning, I was aware of, of how girls, women, girls, women, uh, young, young women, older women too, but distort their body image. It's, it's, it's. They, they have all kinds of body image issues. And of course that impacts their sexuality because 
if, oh, for example, uh, and I was a little guilty of this when I was in my 20s, but I got over it pretty quickly. <laughs> when I was in my 20s, that was a very long time ago, like in the, in the 60s. But like if, if a lover would compliment my breasts, I would think, oh, but doesn't he see my chubby thighs? Well, my thighs weren't that chubby, but I thought they were at the time. I managed with a lot of personal work and reading to get past that, but many women don't. And they have all these distortions around how their bodies look. And then you're saying Instagram is uh, terrible. It's, it's, it's hideous, you said, for girls, because they now can compare themselves with all of these fake, fake women. Yeah. And, and women are competitive enough. It's yeah, and they're worried enough about their self-image. So it's we're it's also we're also seeing a lot of women feeling that there's something wrong with how their genitals look. Oh, I know. And before women shaved, uh, I don't think that was so much something they looked at. But now they're looking at their genitals and they think, oh, mine don't look good, even though their boyfriend may say, hey, they look great. I got yeah. no problem. Mm -hmm. But the woman, uh, we're, we're having a lot of issues there. And on the other side, we're seeing, you know, <clears throat> 20-year-old men who are wanting to take Viagra. So, yeah. Yeah, again, it's uh, there's a lot of interesting things happening uh, based on what people are seeing online and thinking they need to compare with online. And uh, so we just have to remind people that the internet is wonderful. Phones are wonderful, but it's also, a lot of it is fake. So we simply gotta keep talking. And and I uh, the reason that I've uh, been on Progressive Radio Network for 13 years now, also started in 2010, uh, is that the media is a good way to get out good, solid information about relationships and sexuality. And then guests like you who are so informed. I mean, I've learned a lot in, in this show already from you, uh, Paul, and I'm grateful for that. Um, so... There's just so much misinformation out there, and it's all been, the misinformation has been, of course, exacerbated uh, and promoted by online stuff, the internet, and porn, and and phones that can edit, and pictures, and it's, it's, it's endless. It's just so huge and endless, and it's, as you said, it's only going to get worse, but what can we do? We can do what we can do, and you do a lot, a lot with your book and with this video series that I hope, I wish you could get a grant or something that you could get some people that would help you with this research. Um, well, the, the problem with that is anyone who gives, any foundation that gives money yeah. is going to be shocked out of their minds that they would not want a sex ed video series that actually gives the information and talks about the things that young men want to know about. Uh, they're not going to give any money for a video series that actually shows in pictures and answers the question that a lot of men, if you ask <clears throat> 100 men, 
do women pee through their vagina? 50% of them will tell you yes. Oh, dear. Yeah. So you've got real basic information to do and to show. And foundations don't like to fund that stuff. <laughs> yes. Maybe you could find um, a sexually enlightened person who's... Oh, thank you. We're going to have a... a this uh, show will be archived, of course, and uh, I'm going to write up the show notes so that uh, people who want to listen and we'll get oh. get this interview out. We'll do what we can do. And Well, I'm going to see if it's yeah. possible to get the series on Udemy and Skillshare where, you know, it would cost less than a box of condoms for most guys to watch it. But at least I'd get a bit of income to cover um, the costs involved. So. Yeah. I'll be trying there. I don't know how Udemy and Skillshare will feel about it, whether yeah. they'll accept it or not, but that's where I'm going to try to head with it. We'll see. Paul, well, we've had a great hour together. You have been so informative and and we've taught, taught me a lot and we we have, but we both have work to do and you especially with this new video series. And your book, though, carries on, and it. I really encourage people, if you don't know Paul, Paul's book, Guide to Getting It On, please uh, put the link in there and all that. Now, you, you don't have your website. The old website isn't exactly the same. I tried to find it, but people can go to Psychology Today and, and, and well, it, your blog, or how do, how do we find it for you on your website? Go through... Uh, just guide and then the number two getting.com will forward you uh, to uh, some of the projects I'm working on. Uh, I, I, um, I've been trying to reach again, more traditional and conservative young men because I think we need to reach them. So I did a site, I put together a site called real radio.com, but ah, uh, that's a term that I find that, tends to alienate women and you can't reach men if you're going to alienate women so I'm going to be changing that but uh, for right now realduderadio.com or just guide to getting with the number two would do it but thank you so much for what you do and for all these years sticking with it oh my god uh, such uh, dedication don't know if I'd have that much Oh, you do, Paul. You do. And but thank you for thanking me. I thank you for being my guest again. Uh, let's return to this subject. There's so much to talk about. I'll be in touch with you. You're going to come back, I'm sure. Thank you, Diana. You take care. Yes, you too, Paul. And um, goodbye, everybody. I hope you have listened and benefited at, with this show. Bye, bye.